just moves so fast. So like after Thanksgiving, it just goes on hyper acceleration mode. But it's great uh, to know that the Lord has been good to us. Man, coming to church today was a struggle. So I know we in Cleveland. I know some of y'all can drive, but some of us take ourselves too seriously. My wife and I were uh, coming down uh, Forest Hill. Some of y'all, a lot of y'all come that way to come here. I mean, just, I'm seriously, sometimes I just, now, I'm not, let me, let me be careful, because lest my wife cut me with her eyes. Because <laughs> I do drive, <laughs> I like to get where I'm going. Come on, say amen. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I like to get where I'm going in Jesus' name. I like to get there. <laughs> But I do have some sense now. Now I got some sense. I got some sense, and just, I mean, I'm watching some of the folk. Like I'm saying, do you not see that car spinning out of control? Why have you not stopped? Why have you not slowed down? At least wait for the car to stop doing whatever it's doing. But folks take themselves too seriously, man. And we saw an accident coming here. Some of y'all saw an accident coming here. I mean, what clearly has happened is, is we, the Lord blessed us with great weather. <laughs> Amen. We, we thank the Lord while it lasted. Amen. But no, according to the forecast, it's supposed to, it's supposed to get better tomorrow. And then it's supposed to be 60 uh, on Christmas. So who knows? But, but y'all know how Cleveland works. It was supposed to snow a little bit today. Just a little bit. <laughs> And we all see what happened. Then the temperature just dropped to about 20, 22 degrees last night. And then all uh, the ice was everywhere. And so we just thank God for safe traveling mercies. That's all I'm saying. I'm just glad I made it here safely. I know some of us are pros at driving on, on this stuff. But like I was telling Rodney in the back, I don't care what kind of car you got. Four-wheel, eight-wheel drive. All it is is four-wheel drive sliding on ice. That's the law of physics. Some of y'all, I, I drove, I didn't drove on this stuff. You can't, can't nobody drive on ice. Slow down. Come on, say amen. Slow down. Praise the Lord. Are you glad you're here right now? How many glad you made it? No injuries. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. Got so excited, came in here with my sneakers on. Got to take them off. They're all black, so you wouldn't know. Preaching in some J's today. Amen. <laughs> all right, let's go to the word today. The next big thing is the subject that we've been looking at. And we know now that the next big thing is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, yesterday, I had the privilege of preaching a, a funeral um, and shared with the family that, you know, when Jesus Christ comes back, everything that's wrong with the world and you is going to be fixed instantaneously. Ain't nothing going to fix everything except the coming of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? We praise the Lord for his coming, and we want to spend a few moments today not only talking about his coming, but talking about his birth and how that relates to his coming. Would you say amen? As you know, for the past, uh, for the past year it has been now, we've been looking at the series of the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the window by which we read the scriptures. Every text in the Bible has in it written these three words, God is love. Would you say amen? amen? The world needs to know that. The world needs to know it. Church folk needs to know it. Old folks need to know it. Young folks need to know it. How many constantly need to be reminded of the love of God? Last night I was just reading, just reading through the story of the birth of Christ. And my, my, and my heart was just full thinking about what kind of love is it of a God that we serve that would literally imperil all of the planet and the universe Simply just to save you and I. Would you say amen? And the Bible says in Hebrews, he is now our brother forever. Jesus took humanity with him to heaven. Y'all not hearing me. When he left heaven, he was not human. But then he got down into the womb, incubated himself in the womb of a teenage unmarried girl. Come on, say amen, somebody. And did that and then, I mean, I, I, I get that part, but now he has maintained both his divinity and humanity. That's why the Bible says we are now seated in heavenly places. Come on in here, y'all. I mean, as, as long as Jesus is on the throne, that means a part of me is on that throne with him. Come on, say amen. And if he had not come, I, I, the power of the resurrection is unquestionable. The importance of his intercessory ministry right now, we could, do, we could not do without 
How many know that if Jesus stopped praying, we'd all be in trouble? Come on, say amen. But to know that he's coming again is even yet more powerful. It's the next big thing. But none of that would be possible if he did not leave heaven. Come on, y'all. And come down here for us. And so we praise God for that. That is the story that we want to celebrate. I want to talk to you today on the subject, a Christmas story. A Christmas story, why we should celebrate Christmas. I'm going to do a little apologetics today. Why we should celebrate Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm kind of realizing, and when I'm saying realizing, I was not raised this way. So, um, I, it, you know, a lot of us are raised a certain way, and then you're exposed to different viewpoints, mindsets. You go someplace, and you learn that everybody doesn't think the same way. Come on, say amen. Everybody wasn't raised the same way. Everybody doesn't believe the same things. A lot of us have different values. A lot of us have different opinions and different traditions. Uh, but, however, I just, just to give you just a brief uh, retrospect on my life, I was raised... Um, Seventh-day Adventist Christian and a Seventh-day Adventist home, Seventh-day Adventist pastor, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but we celebrated Christmas from, I mean, far as I can remember. Uh, we, cel- we celebrated uh, Christmas. Uh, Christmas that, and, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And just to tell you what that means, I mean, we had Christmas trees. We had decorations. Um, we exchanged gifts. We went shopping. Uh, we did all that kind of stuff. We did. And... But, but as I began to grow and as I began to interface with other Christians, other believers, I'm also realizing that there are many that do not celebrate Christmas. And they do not celebrate Christmas for a number of reasons. Um, let me just give you a few. One of, the, one, one of the reasons that people don't celebrate Christmas is because Christmas for many people and, and the holidays in general for a lot of people is a very depressing time. Um, they, they, it's, it's very difficult, especially after you've lost loved ones or if the holidays remind you of negative experiences, um, that you just simply want to avoid it. Some people are very lonely. Uh, they don't have family. They don't have friends. I have a friend of mine, and he gets very grumpy. He gets very negative when the holidays come around simply because it reminds him of what he does not have. Reminds him of what he does not have. And, and you know, when you see everybody else happy, shopping, enjoying themselves with family, and you lack those things, it's very, very difficult. I was just in conversation with a young man that I'm studying with, and that was his thing. I don't celebrate any holiday, Pastor, because I don't have really anybody to celebrate with. So that's one reason why, why people struggle. And how many of us realize when the holidays come around, the holidays can be joyous for some, but they can be very difficult for others because of the lack of support, lack of family. They really don't have a reason. Let me just say this. I mean, if I didn't have a family and kids and a mother and a father and cousins and all that kind of stuff that many of us have that we take for granted because there are some people who were raised by the state, orphans, adopted, don't have that kind of stuff, I can understand not really getting all that excited about a holiday. Let's be honest. You know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all these holidays have really less to do with all the stuff that's going on. And they're really, let's be honest, it's really about family. It's really about being around people you love at the end of the day. We travel miles. Uh, Put my daughter on a plane yesterday to be with one of her friends. And the airport was packed. Man said the airport's going to be packed. And it's going to be difficult to get in and out from now till January the 6th. It says that starts around Thanksgiving and it's nonstop. First reason, first reason why folks don't celebrate is because it's, it's, they don't have what we often take for granted, and that's family. Would you say amen? amen. Second reason why people don't celebrate holiday, uh, 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 Christmas is faith. Some people do not have a faith, a choice of faith. I'm not talking about faith in God. But they, they don't have a belief system. And for them, what's the big deal about celebrating uh, Jesus? They're not into Santa Claus, but especially from a Christian perspective, they have nothing to do with that. I live in a neighborhood that's 80% Jewish, and you can tell whose house is Jewish and whose house is not Jewish in the holidays. All you got to do is drive down and see who got Christmas lights up and who don't. <laughs> if you drive down my street, you know, nobody got Christmas lights up a couple of, except a couple of three or four black folks. Come on, say amen. 
So some folks, their faith, their belief system, they were not raised that way. How many of you have Muslim uh, family members or folks who are raised under that way? They don't celebrate Christmas. They don't get excited about it because that's not their faith. Last but not least, there are some, even in the Christian, uh, in the Christian uh, belief system, who do not celebrate Christmas, and this is really what I want to talk about today, because for them, Christmas represents a pagan mindset, a pagan practice, and for them, the pagan idea is very, very disadvantageous to their faith, and they really feel like to celebrate Christmas is to be in conflict with one's Christianity. Now, let's talk for a minute. Christmas has been watered down. As a matter of fact, the very celebration of Christmas, which we'll get in for a minute, in our modern Western society has very little to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? Amen. Very little to do with that. As a matter of fact, the the children at Ramah did a program. uh, It was a beautiful program. It was like Christmas around the world this past uh, Thursday night. And they gave us a taste from each culture of how each culture celebrates Christmas and sometimes those of us who live in the United States of America, which is considered the West, the West considered the United States of America, you know, in Europe and stuff like that, we kind of feel like everybody does this. But most people in most countries, like in Japan, they don't, they go shopping on Christmas. <laughs> Everything is open. There are a few Christians here and there, but in many countries like Japan, where two, three percent of the population is Christian, there's nobody celebrating Christmas. They just use it as a day to go shopping. And for some folks in America, Christmas is really just commercialized, monetized, sanitized, if you will, to the place where it's really about, and oh man, I, I, I had to go to my credit union the other day and you have to sign up this list and it tells, and you have to literally write down there why you want to borrow some money for whatever and the people, and I just wanted to meet with somebody, but there were so many names of folks who were borrowing money, asking for small loans for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, like the pressure for some folks to just to provide for their children gifts or, or buy gifts for family, you can't show up to the dinner with nothing in your hand, that kind of thing. And for many people, they look at that, they look at the commercialization of Christmas, they look at Santa Claus, they look at the decorations, then they look at their Bibles, and they say, well, hold on, this ain't really biblical. This is not really Christian. And then when they begin to do a little historical study, they begin to discover the origins of it, and many people just refrain from it. However, I believe that there is a balance. There's a balance. Somebody say a balance. There's a balance that we must possess as believers, especially as the last-day church believers as it relates to Christmas. And I want to just spend just a few moments talking about that right now. There's, there's a movie, the, the Christmas Story, uh, that comes on. How many of y'all knew uh, uh, the Christmas story? Y'all, y'all, ever, <laughs> y'all know this little Ralphie? Sorry. Y'all forgive me. I grew up on this thing right here. And then when I came to Cleveland, I didn't even know that this was filmed in Cleveland. The other day when I was in Tremont, I went over and saw the house with the leg in the window. Some of y'all even know what I'm talking about. Like, wow, that's amazing. So, you know, like the Christmas story, when I hear that, I begin to think of this movie. It comes on 24 hours. It's probably going to start tomorrow. I'm not even sure. But it talks about the story of this little boy who wanted his gun. Y'all know the story, right? He wanted his gun for Christmas, but his mom said, no, you'll shoot your eye out. And inevitably, he got the gun. Some stuff happened. But the Christmas story is way more than about Ralphie and a gun. The Christmas story, if we're going to talk from a biblical and Christian perspective, starts with really two reactions and two things that have happened. And I want to turn our attention now to the pages of Holy Scripture so that we can see what Christmas really is about and why it's important for us to not just flat out ignore, for us to flat out just have nothing to do with the celebration of Christmas, even though the entire world is not on the same mindset as the Bible, as Christians, what should Christians' reaction be during this season? What what should a Christian do when the world pauses, at least some, to acknowledge the birth of Jesus Christ? And so I want to take you back to the first first Christmas, if you please, to show you what the two reactions were. Let's go to the text. Let's read, and we'll uh, work through this today. Matthew, the first chapter in verse 18. If you're there, would you say amen? If you're there, would you say amen again? If you're there, would you say hallelujah? If you can see it on the screen, say thank you, Jesus. 
All right, we're going to do the best we can to work through this. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, let me adjust uh, my computer here so I can see. All right, the Bible says, verse 18, this is how, come on, y'all, read with me, the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Like, <laughs> the Bible is like, this is, this is how, if we're going to talk about Christmas, this is how it happens, all right? And so the Bible says, in his mother, I love this, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Pledge means engaged, all right? She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her. All the brothers in here that were, if you were in Joseph's shoes and your woman showed up one day, y'all were engaged to be married, you, you were making preparations, you purchased the ring, arrangements were being made, and she comes and tells you, you know you didn't have nothing to do with it. She said, look, uh, I'm pregnant, and the baby daddy is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and notice what the Bible says about Joseph. The Bible says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, better man than most of us in here, he had in mind to do what? To divorce her quietly, the Bible says. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord, how many know it took an angel? The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the Holy Ghost. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, just for some of you who may or may not know, the word Jesus is a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew word Joshua. So Jesus was named Joshua or Yeshua or Joshua, the one who saves. The Bible goes on to say, it says, thou shalt give him the name Jesus. What's his name, everybody? Because he will do what? He will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23, the virgin, this is a prophecy, the virgin, who would, everybody? The virgin will conceive that don't even make sense, does it? Huh? A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, what's his name, y'all? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Verse 25, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, there's a whole lot in there. But let me first start with the first reaction. The first reaction that teaches us why we should celebrate the birth of Christ. The first thing I want you to understand is, is that when, when Jesus was born or conceived, it was done in the most, it was done in the most confusing manner possible. In my mind, if if I'm getting ready to save the world and I want everybody to be saved, I, I figure I would try to find the, the way of least resistance. I would create the least amount of confusion and trouble and simply come to somebody who's already married, somebody more respectable, not a teenage girl who's pledged to be married. I wouldn't, uh, to me, why, why confuse that? Like, why would, why would you do it that way, Lord? Why not do it in such a way so that even the Pharisees and the religious leaders, are y'all feeling me? And the church folk wouldn't believe him. We know the scripture says that when Jesus came, y'all know the Bible says that he came to his own and his own received him not. And almost throughout the entire life of Jesus, we have literally seen in scripture where folks have said, this man cannot be the Christ because we know who his mama is. Oh, y'all got to hear me on this. The, the idea, the rumor, I'm, I mean, outside of the Bible, what people were talking about was Mary was a loose woman. Y'all hear? 
Mary, Mary is wild. The conversation was Joseph married a woman who was already pregnant. Either they assigned the responsibility to Joseph or they resigned the responsibility to somebody else. But in those days, if a woman was pregnant outside of the bonds of marriage, didn't matter what the man did, the woman was looked at as shameful. As a matter of fact, the scripture says she should be stoned. In my mind, why would God decide to make his grand entrance on the planet in such a scandalous way? I mean, remember, there are so many people. Uh, if you Google the number one reason why people are atheists, you know what it is? The incarnation. It's the number one reason. They don't believe the idea that a, that a, a, a virgin was impregnated by the spirit. <laughs> we can spiritualize this all we want. But let's call it what it is. She rose up to her to her husband to be and says, I'm pregnant. What happens when a man knows he's not been with a woman? Come on, somebody. And his wife to be says, I'm pregnant. That's that's a problem right there. But what makes it worse, Carl, is to then say, and the daddy is the Holy Ghost. You a holy lie. You a wild, nasty woman. The Bible says that Joseph was so, but he was a good dude. He was a good dude. So he said, look, man, I, I, I really, I could waste her if I wanted to. I could kill her if I wanted to. But, 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 but what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to put her away quietly. He made up in his mind, I'm going to divorce her. Come on now. Now, Joseph was a righteous man, but Joseph wasn't going to take nothing off anybody. Come on, say Amen. His mindset was made up. I'm done with her. <laughs> like, I believe in forgiveness, but this is unforgivable. Now, remember, who's doing all this? God is. Mary didn't do this. Joseph didn't do this. Who's creating this confusion? Who's creating this mess? Who's creating this scandal? God did. And it took God sending an angel to Joseph and saying, Joseph, don't do it. How many know it would have took an angel? Come on, say amen. How, how many, if you put yourself in Mary's shoes or Joseph, wave your hand if you know that an angel had to show up. The Lord, and the Lord knew better too. He said, look, I know, I know they ought to walk by faith and not by sight, but there are some requests I make of my people where I've got to send a divine intervention so that they will know that it's me. Come on. How many, how many have been, how many have had moments when God asked you to do something and that thing was so beyond you? It sounds so crazy. It sounds so unbelievable that you told Lord, listen, I don't know if this is you, but if this is you, you better send me a sign. You better send me some kind of confirmation that you are in this thing. Because there's no way in the world I'm going to take a step in this unless I know for sure that God is in this. And the Bible says the Lord sent an angel and the angel said to him, he said, Joseph, don't do it. I'm behind this. The Lord sent me on assignment to tell you that God is in this. And yes, the woman ain't crazy. Yes, the woman ain't lying. She's telling you the God's truth that the Holy Ghost came upon her. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her. The Holy Ghost filled her. And I, I cannot explain how it happened. All I can tell you is that when the Holy Ghost got finished with her, Jesus was inside of her. Oh, can I talk to you for a minute? I, I, one of the reasons why we got to talk about the birth of Christ, not just around December the 25th, not just, not just around this season, but every time we get a chance, it's because we got to remind ourselves of the, of the main idea of the story, which is that when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of somebody, what ought to happen in their life is that there ought to be a Jesus inside of them. We've got to talk about it. I know that the world is going in a different direction, but while they're going in a different direction, somebody need to tell the whole story. 
Have you ever had somebody to spread a rumor about you? Oh, let me talk to these folk over here. Maybe everybody. Has anybody ever been lied on before? And you really, you, you want to do all you can to clarify the truth. But because of the position you were in, if you were to try to make the truth clear, nobody would believe you. They would think you're just defending yourself. Anybody ever been there before? And so what you prayed for is, Lord, raise up somebody that will tell the truth in my behalf. Lord, send somebody that will speak in my behalf for me. What Jesus is saying now is, is I, I'm not going to bear witness myself. I need somebody in this dark world during this time where shopping gets more credit than the Savior. He said, I need my people not to ignore it, but I need my people to celebrate and tell the truth that this season, he was not born on December the 25th, but what I can tell you, I don't know when he was born. The Bible doesn't tell us when he was born. The Bible just tells us that he was born. But let me tell you, if Jesus had not come, you and I would not be here. The truth must come out. We ought not ignore it because people need the truth. No greater truth than this. So the first reaction, the first reaction is the reaction we see even in our world today. When Christ is trying to enter in, there is... A group of crazy people like Mary and Joseph who are willing to believe the miracle of what God can do in the life of a person who is crazy enough to trust him when they can't see him. Are you with me? Now, one of the things I want you to chart as you study the birth of Christ over this season, I encourage you to do so, is that there were only a few people. This is... Now, as we get, get ready to talk about the second coming of Christ, it's crucial we understand this. The great majority, if not almost everybody, at the time of, birth of, the, at the time of the birth of Christ, did not know that he was born. <laughs> there were only a few people that recognized his birth and celebrated it, and I want you to look at their de- look, look at their profile: a teenage girl, a young engaged brother, two senior citizens, Anna and Simeon, some shepherds, and some heathen wise men. Nobody else. Nobody. They, nobody else cared. Nobody else even knew that it happened. But when they did find out, watch what they did. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. Watch this. Second reaction as we get ready to close in a minute. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi. That's the word we use for what, everybody? Wise men. Were there three wise men? No. More than likely, there's probably like a hundred of them. But, again, there's paganism again. God told us there's three wise men. But they thought it was three because there were three gifts. But there were a multitude of wise men. Now, put that in your mind and see this. (laughs) The Bible says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So understand that these wise men traveled more than likely from Babylon, which would have taken them six months to a year to get to Jesus. So by the time they find him, Jesus is not a brand new baby. He's one years old, at least. All right? Maybe two. So just I wanted you to just get that background. So verse 2 says, and they asked these Heathen, uh, pagan worshipers from the east were studying the scriptures. Oh, y'all hear this. And they were seeking for truth. And we are taught from the pen of inspiration that that, that an angel guided them to Jerusalem where God's people were. They're anticipating a celebration of a king that has come. And watch what happens here. They said, where? (laughs) 
He's the one who has been born king of the Jews. Um, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Watch this, guys. When King Herod heard this, watch the second reaction. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all. All Jerusalem with him. Okay, so let me just explain very simply. You got, let's just say, you got a hundred dignitaries from Babylon who are rolling up in their Range Rovers, their blacked out Suburbans, security, the entourage. And they've been following a star from Babylon. And the star has been guiding this entourage of multi-million dollar dignitaries from where they are to where they think Jesus is. They follow the star and they are prepared to celebrate. They have come with gifts. They have come with testimonies. They have come with their experience of searching for Jesus. And finally now they have found where he is. Can you imagine the anticipation and the excitement they've been reading that the king of kings and lord of lords is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea? The Bible says to confirm. Now, I want to tell you this. Anytime you are seeking for truth, the Bible says you will seek for me, you will search for me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Anytime you are wanting to find out something about Jesus or be led, if you put your heart and mind into it, there's no way in the world and God that you will not find him. The Bible says to confirm their faith of leaving. Consider now, you left job, you left family, you left you left your responsibilities. I hear a little ring in my mic. Turn me down just a little bit. You hear all of this stuff going on and, and, and you leave all of that for over a year just for one moment in the presence of a baby. And when you get there, you're excited. You've packed, you've planned, you've prepared, you've gathered everybody. And when you get to the place where the king is to be born, The scripture says that the king is disturbed, but that doesn't concern me. I know Herod is crazy. He's jealous. Anytime he hears a king is being born, come on now, that sounds like a threat to his throne. I get that, but what I don't get is that Jerusalem, the place where the prophecies are, the place where they've studied these things and they knew, I mean, the Bible is so, listen y'all, the Bible has such pinpoint accuracy in the prophecies of when Jesus was to be born, that if you were a Jew in those days, you knew that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. You knew he was going to be born to a virgin. You knew under the circumstances and time, the specificity of the prophecies about the birth of Christ was so clear. And as a matter of fact, the priests and the scribes and Pharisees studied these things over and over again. Question, y'all, how is it that some heathens from Babylon could find Jesus at his birth and and show up to the place where everybody's supposed to know that he is. And right under their noses, God's people don't even know that he was born. As a matter of fact, look at the text, y'all. The Bible says when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And it says all of the church folk were disturbed with him. I could see shocked. I could see caught off guard. But disturbed? Bothered? Oh, why were they bothered? They were bothered because somebody who wasn't a part of them, who, didn't, who wasn't supposed to know as much as they knew, showed up and told them something that they were supposed to know all along. Their pride was wounded. How can they tell me? about something I know I'm supposed to know. And what I'm coming to discover, y'all, please don't take this the wrong way. The preponderance, the accumulation of knowledge is not enough. Wasn't enough then to recognize Jesus when he came the first time. Slow down, brace yourselves. It ain't gonna be enough the second time 
There, this is why we ought to celebrate Christmas. We got to talk about this thing because there are so many lessons in the birth of Christ about faith. So many lessons about trust. So many lessons about obedience. So many lessons for us on how to prepare for the soon coming of Jesus that's going to happen again. And what scares me, Carl Poole, is that if all of Jerusalem, I'm not, I'm not a Pharisee. Like, yo, I mean, I'm talking about in terms of knowledge. I'm not a scribe. These guys could quote the whole Old Testament verbatim in Hebrew and Aramaic. They knew the Bible through and through. They were religious people. How? I, I, I don't know. Is anybody feeling me on this? I'm like I'm saying to myself, I can't take myself too seriously. How can they miss pinpoint prophecy and the other folk get it? That makes me nervous. I'm disturbed now. (laughs) Think of your own life. And all the stuff we've studied and all the times we've studied it and all the prophecies and all the teachings and all the doctrines. We've been studying these things for years, many of us. Come on, say amen, somebody. We know that when he comes, he's going to come with great glory. We know that he will not touch the ground. For the Bible says that when he comes, he is, we are going to be caught up with him to meet him in the air. We've been warned that there will be going to be false Christs and false prophets. We've been warned that Satan is going to make himself like an angel of light in these last days to Deceive, if possible, even the very light. We understand that the Antichrist is already at work and the mystery of iniquity is already being fulfilled. We are recognizing that the time of probation is swiftly coming to an end. We know there's a ceiling. We know there's a shaking. We know there's a time of trouble. Come on, talk to me, y'all. We know that these things, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, violence, pestilence, we know that people are going to be disobedient. Parents, children, disobedient to parents. Parents abusing children. Where The love of many will wax cold. We know that knowledge will increase. That's that's, that's not what the Bible says. We know these things and yet they knew these things too. And when Jesus came, they missed him. This ain't a beat down. This is just Bible, y'all. When I read this stuff, I don't look above them. I put myself with them and I say, Lord, I don't want that to be me. Let's let's just pause for a minute. Let's not just talk about the second coming of Christ. But is it possible, if you keep reading the story of the birth of Jesus, there was one time when Jesus, eight days after his birth, what's supposed to happen? Circumcision, right? So every Jewish boy, especially firstborn, he was taken to the temple eight days later after his birth. And now, now, think of this, y'all. Think of this. I don't have no baby, so I'm just going to make up something. All right, y'all, this is a baby just for now. All right. <laughs> this, this, yeah, it's a struggle, baby. We'll we work with it, though. So watch this. The Bible says that on his day of dedication, Mary and Joseph bring the lamb into the temple. And, and while they bring him into the temple, They're talking about the lamb. They put the lamb in the hands of the priest. The priest scribbles his name Jesus and moves on to the next baby. Like he had God in his arms and let him go. He had Jesus. He had his savior, the creator of the universe, was in his hands. The created one is holding the created, and he don't even know it. Oh, guys, I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm getting ready to go to my seat. I do recognize, yes, that the birth of Christ also prepares us for the soon coming of Christ. But could it also be as well that the birth of Christ teaches us lessons about when God, give me y'all. When God is showing up in areas of our lives, when God is present where we are and we have him right with us, he is in circumstances, he is in situations, he is moving about in our, in our circumstance. And, and because our eyes are blinded, because our focus, come on, pray with me, y'all. 
Am I the only one in here? Because my focus is off. Is it possible that, that God passed my way? That I had God right here near me? But because I didn't recognize him, because he didn't fit in my box, because he didn't fit in my way of thinking, because he wasn't around my understanding, that I may have missed, I may have missed my moment with God in my arms. I'm not, look, please don't misunderstand. I've got to, I've got to, this is a warning for all of us that the Lord will show up in our midst and we don't even know he's there. That the Lord is at work in our children and we're still worried. The Lord is working on your marriage and he's working in your finance and he's trying to change your wicked life. Don't fight God. Don't pass him off. Hold on to him. Don't let him go. Let me read a few things to you. just talk from my heart. That scares me. I, I, I'm not been to seminary. I've handled Greek, Hebrew. I know what context, the hermeneutics. I know all that stuff. I can tell you if it's redaction. I can tell you if it's historical criticism. I can tell, I can tell you that stuff. But can I stop lying? Can I stop lusting? Can I stop backbiting? Can I stop being mean to my family? Can I forgive? See, see, the problem is, is we think that salvation is equal to our ability to obtain information our intellectual capacity to be able to understand the deep theological profundities of the word. But when I look at my word, the folk that knew the most was the folk that missed him. But who got him? Crazy people. Crazy folk. Wise men who get up, take up their families, stop their businesses, stop their jobs, travel for a year to a place they've never been before for one moment in the presence of a king. One moment. They weren't coming to stay. They said, we just, if, if the king is here, if the Lord is here, if the Savior is here, if Emmanuel, God with us, has invaded planet Earth, I got to stop what I'm doing. I got to move. I shift what I'm saying. I got to be in the presence of a king. Yeah. And then some teenagers, some teenagers, they didn't have no money. They didn't have reputation. They were not religious scholars, Kashim, but they were crazy enough to say, Mary said, be it unto me, O God. If I've got to take the shame and possible hatred and death from my family members and friends who will think that I'm a whore, put it in me. <laughs> uh, if I'm going to be lied on, I don't care, put him in me. If I'm going to be talked about, if my friends are going to forsake me, if my husband will think I'm crazy, no doubt she made up her mind to say yes, Lord, before she consulted with her husband. There are some things you ought not consult with family about until you consult with God on first. I don't need permission from folk to do what God told me to do. Mary said, God told me that the Holy Ghost is inside of me. I will let God take care of Joseph. Some of us have got to learn that when God tells you to do something, you've got to do what God tells you to do and let God take care of folk that is not concerned or do not understand where God is leading you. They're going to call you a whore, Mary. Put him in me. Family will forsake you. I don't care, Lord. Be it unto me. <laughs> Be it unto me, oh God. If I can have, 
inside of me eternity. If I can have in my bosom the very gift of God himself. If Father, Son, Holy Spirit are incarnate in my Savior, put him in me. And it's really, it's that, I won't go there, it's that mindset of faith. How am I going to be ready for the second return of Jesus? You got to have an uncommon, an uncommon faith. Uncommon. You have to believe. I don't care what your struggle is right now. Some of you have been struggling with something for as long as you can remember. And you already made up your mind that God is not able. No, 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 no. If there's anything I can, if I could force you to believe something today, it would be that God has no limitations. That if you put your I'm talking about the full weight of your faith in God. The Bible says that he will move a mountain out of your way. The scriptures tell us the just, says the vine, will live by faith. Revelation 6. Go ahead, Willie. Revelation 6 describes the sixth seal which represents the time in which we are living in. By the way, the seventh seal is too late. The seventh seal says there will be silence in heaven for the space of a half an hour. At that time, the time of trouble will break. Oh, Lord, I love to talk about it. The time of trouble will break forth in the land. People will have already made up their minds to whom they will serve. But in the sixth seal, the time of probation, the word says that every king, hear me now, don't miss this. Your children need to know this. It's this time of year that we teach the children what Jesus has done for them. The gifts are fine. I had had all this information I was going to share with you today. Ellen White don't got no problem with Christmas. Y'all study what she got to say. But for those of you who don't want to celebrate, there's no condemnation. Uh, But but what I am saying is is you don't have to celebrate like everybody else, but you ought to celebrate Jesus. Am, Am I wrong? Is there anything wrong with celebrating Jesus and his birth. I, I'm not talking about a tree. I'm not talking about uh, a gifts. I'm talking about while well, the world. Uh, stop getting in arguments with people and start talking about what God has done in his son that he sent his only begotten son right in the sixth seal. The Bible says that the kings and the rulers, the slaves, everybody, the Bible said they look to the heavens and they see Jesus. Watch what it says. And they hide their faces from him. What? When Jesus comes, the great majority of the world is going to do the same thing that they did the first time. The scripture says that the the majority of the world is going to hide from the face of him. How can you hide from love? How can you hide from grace? How you hide from Jehovah Jireh? How you hide from Jehovah Nisi? How you hide from Jehovah Rapha? How, how you hide from Jehovah Seed Kanu? How do you hide from him that has been with you through trial and, and through storm and through test and through difficulty and through death and through pain? Yea, in all these things, nothing will separate us from the love of God but they have not seen him as a God of love. They have seen him as a God that interrupts and disturbs their lives. Mary said, come on in. They'll call me a whore, but I don't mind. The wise men said, I'll travel a thousand miles to see him. And the folks, when we get there, they won't receive us. But it's worth it if I can be in the presence of a baby. How far are you going to go? That's what I want to know. How far, how far are you willing to go? No, seriously. How important is your job? How important are things? How important is this crisis? How far? Are you a Mary and a Joseph? Are you wise men? How far 
Are you willing to go? That will determine whether you'll be saved or lost. Not how much you know, but how far are you willing to go? Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Somebody needs to repent today and say, Lord, I've been holding back. I've accumulated knowledge and I know some things about the scriptures. And, or there may be somebody say, I'm struggling, Pastor. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to hold on. I think God loves me, but I'm not sure because I, I've done so much and I'm in some stuff now. And, but Pastor, I, you talked about a God. You talked about a God who will get inside of a teenage girl simply because she's willing. You, you talked about God working with pagan magi woo, who worship idols, but they wanted to see the king. I, I, my, my word to you today is if you're struggling, if, you, if you're barely holding on, if you just make up your mind, I want, I want him, I want him. I, I don't know how, but I, I, I don't know when, and, and I can't control my own self, but I want him, I, I need him, and I want more. I'm, I'm tired of the level I've been living in, and I, and I want more Jesus in me. I want more power in me, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm willing to go all the way with you, Lord. Whoever you are, that, that ain't for new or old, that's for anybody that knows they want to go further in God I want you to stand if the Lord is talking to you today and just come down here and let me pray for you if you know you look at Mary and Joseph and you say my faith ain't there and you look at the wise men and you say I don't have sacrifice like that I don't I, 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 there's very little that I go all in with anything except myself and if I'm going to be ready for the next big thing it's my faith the Bible says without faith come on y'all is that Bible without faith it's impossible to please him whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them here it is catch this this is Joseph and Mary this is wise men that diligently seek him. They don't quit. They don't give up. They don't hold on. They let go and go all in for Jesus. They're diligent. They sell out completely. If you know you need some of that in your life, would you just come? Let's pray together. I'm, I'm standing here today because the Lord says I need you. Don't get it twisted, preacher. I don't care how many times you preach. I don't care how many books you got on your bookshelf. I don't care how many people you baptize. I don't care how many degrees you have. If you don't have faith like the wise men, faith like Mary and Joseph, you will not enter in. As a matter of fact, you will be disturbed when I come. If you know you need more of that in your life, lift your hands right now and say, Lord, come into my life right now. Talk to him. Just say, Lord, Lord, please, my mind, my heart, it ain't right. But when I look at Jesus and see that he left everything, he left everything. Did he leave everything, y'all? He left everything. And he got up on a cross. And he went to hell and back. And then he got up on the third day. And right now, he's praying that in this moment, you will finally, fully go all in with Jesus. Because he's coming again. How many know he's coming? He said, I'm coming again and I will receive you. Hallelujah. Did you hear that word, y'all? He said, I, I don't want, I'm not going to deny you. I will receive you broken and dirty and filthy, but I'm going to put my robe of righteousness on you. I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Anybody need to be baptized or rebaptized? Lord's calling you to make a full surrender, a full turnaround. You need to be baptized, rebaptized. Give your life fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come out of whatever you're in and say, Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. Lord, I gotta, I'm tired of my life the way it is. Wash me. Cover me. I can't do it by myself. If you're here today, would you just raise your hand? 
Folks, heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. It's nobody's business. If you're here today, just raise your hand. The Lord's talking to you. There's some person here today. This is, this is the, the birth of Jesus was for this moment. So that somebody would say, yes! Yes, Lord. Ten. Nine. Eight. Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Seven. Six. Five. Say, come in, Lord. There's some church folk, too. You've been in church. You've been baptized. You've been coming. But you ain't gone all in. You've not gone all in. You've not gone all in. Oh, Lord. The furthest place away from Jesus is in the middle. He said, be hot or cold. Somebody need to admit right now, I'm in the church, but I'm cold. Lord, come into my life right now. You may not need to be baptized, but there's a, there's a, a moment of surrender that needs to take place right now for some, some person in the church knows the word, but knows that their life is not right with God, no peace. Oh, Lord, have mercy. If you're here and you just want to, in the presence of God, say, I'm lifting my hands in humility and repentance and saying, today is a new day in my life. Lift your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. I see you, brother. I see you in the back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see you, my brother. My hand is lifted right now. My hands are stretched forth towards heaven. My hands are lifted high. I would never be so arrogant to assume that I am in right relationship with God when I know I'm not. When I know I've not fully obeyed and fully gone all in. Is there somebody else here today? Whoever you are, you don't need to be baptized. You don't need to join the church. But you need to give God everything you got. Lift your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just sing one verse of that. Oh, come, let us adore him. Right where you are. Worship. Oh, come, let, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore Sing to him. Oh, Close your eyes if you have to, but get in his presence. He alone is worthy. Let's just sing this last chorus. For he alone can save us. Yes. For he alone. Hallelujah. Oh, how many know that, that that's got to be true? You need that to be true. He alone can save. For he, for he alone can save. One more time, Christ. Christ. Would you hug your neighbor beside you and just tell them to trust in God? Tell them to trust in Him, even when you can't trace Him. Trust in God. Praise God. You may return to your seats, Elder Cox. What a blessing. As you return to your seats, I'm going to ask the deacons to get ready. You know, what struck me is that uh, it's possible to be holding something precious in your hand and yet not aware of it. 
to hold Jesus and not be aware that you're holding Jesus. To hold what is his and not be aware that you're holding what is his. So this morning, as we get ready to uh, uh, return to the Lord, our tithes and offering, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads with me right now before we even do anything. Let's bow your heads with me. Eternal God, we are so grateful to you for your mercy, your grace. We are grateful to you that you have blessed us. And now we come, Father, in all humility, returning to you what is really yours. We thank you for Jesus, who gave his all for us, in his precious name, amen. Now, as you um, uh, return your tithes and offering, remember, this is the second last Sabbath of the year. And so this must be the time. I remember Elder Harvey. You might remember Elder Harvey. He always talked about squaring up with God at the end of the year. So this is time that we really need to square up with him. So uh, if you want the deacons to wait on you for a moment, that's okay, as you get ready to square up with him. And while we're doing that, just remember our commitment.